0: Darling, didn't anyone ever tell you the rules you use to judge yourself aren't real? (laughs) Hey, what's going on? It's Rebecca Biggie, good morning. Good morning, I hope you are having a fabulous day so far. I kinda think it's funny when it's like very early in the morning and people are like, how's your day going? I'm like, dude, my day, this is the first thing I'm doing. (laughs) Like, my day has just started, I don't know yet. I don't know how it's going yet. It's fine, but I haven't done much because it is early. I am not a morning person. I like mornings in theory. And when I do have to get up for something, it does feel nice to like be up and doing things early in the morning. But I've just learned about myself that I would very much rather sleep until nine and get my day started around 10 and do very good work throughout the day than try to, be someone I'm not and wake up at 5 a.m. and sit around doing Lord knows what until I will actually start getting things done at 10. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, I don't think I really kick into gear until 10 a.m. So yeah, I, I love sleep. Sleep is really important to my body and uh, definitely a night owl night owl over an early bird. Which one are you? Which one are you? I'm curious how people operate. Um, this episode actually isn't about morning routines or getting up early or, or going to bed late. This is about language. So we're going to shift. We're going to take a little shift into the topic at hand. A little segue into language and how words have been used differently over time, whether as compliments or insults, something that you aspire to be versus something that you would never want to be called, and also how that is different within social groups and cultural groups. Even to this day, you can find different groups of people who would use the same words, the same meaning of those words as an insult while you might use it as a compliment. This is basically what my book, Social Currency, is all about. Uh, The different social worlds and what's valuable within those social circles is different through geographic location, socioeconomic status, racial groups, age groups, it's all so different. So I want you to expand your influence a bit here and expand your thinking about, hmm, maybe not everyone thinks the same way that I do. Maybe not everyone sees the world the way I do. And the way I was really exposed to this was actually in a bad way Um I was in a really toxic relationship in college, and the guy I was dating basically made me feel like everything that I was wasn't it. <laughs> like everything about me, he had a problem with. And looking back, I'm like, dude, why did why did you date me? Uh, but then I learned what a narcissist was, and realized, oh, that's what's that that's what was going on. Actually, he did like who I was. He was intimidated by who I was and he wanted to break me down so that he would feel better about himself. But we don't need to talk about narcissism. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Oh, oh. But what he made me realize was that he saw the world completely differently than I did. Partially due to the narcissism, but also due to the fact that he grew up in a different kind of culture. He was partially Greek, a very small part, like a quarter. But he had a lot of Greek influences on him growing up. And he grew up in, in Chicago. So it was a different different part of the Midwest than Minnesota. And he was really severely bullied by wealthy kids, when he was growing up. And so he thought that anyone who had any kind of money was bad. He thought that rich people thought they were better than everyone. And that like all these things about, about people who had money. And this was at a time where, you know, I grew up poor, very poor. And at a certain point, my dad's business took a turn and started doing really well. And as my parents Told me as an adult, we went from being below the poverty line to being upper middle class in, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe the difference of like three to five years. I'm not really sure the timeline, but I remember going from wearing clothes from the thrift store and clothes that were donated to us by families in our church to building a new house and shopping at Aeropostale Aeropostale and Hollister and Abercrombie if we went all the way up to the Mall of America. Wow. Talk about a rise to fame. (laughs) Talk about a rise to fame. So I remember experiencing that. But I always had that mindset of like, you know, I wasn't spoiled. I, I knew that nothing like was gonna be like handed to me whatever like I wasn't your traditional like snobby rich kid but this guy I was dating would throw that at me sometimes if he was mad at me he would be like oh you're just this rich girl and I was like why why are you like using that as an insult like I don't really understand that because I don't have the attitude of of like a rich person uh whatever that means like what does that mean? You think that I am entitled? Because I'm not. And this doesn't even have anything to do with the argument that we're having. You're just like trying to hurl insults at me. So he used rich as an insult towards me. He also used skinny as an insult to me, Um, which I thought was so strange. I would be like, well, I always grew up thinking and being told that, like, thin and skinny was, like, the thing that you wanted to be. But he would be like, oh, man, like, I, this is actually really, um, when he said this, I was like, oh, this is very, very strange thing for you to say. But he told me, I always pictured myself being with a girl who's half black. And I was like, okay, why? He's like, well, just because I'm like, attracted to that like body type. And I'm like, OK, well, so why are you dating me? Literally, this like skinny white girl from Minnesota, you think that someone who's like curvy and thick and whatever is, is like who you want to be with? Like, And again, these were subtle ways that he was like tearing me down and trying to give me a complex, which he did give me a complex about my body. But it was just like so interesting to me. And for the sake of the topic of this episode, he used my thinness as an insult to me, as a way to make me feel inferior. And he used the the wealth of my parents, not even me, like my parents didn't give me money. He used the wealth of my parents as an insult to me. And it was all these things that I was like, well, but these aren't. I was raised to think that these things were what you wanted to be, that these things were the good things, that these things were compliments, but now you're turning around and using them as insults. And it was all very strange to me, but at least it exposed me to the fact that other people see the world differently. And while he was a malignant narcissist, like one of the most terrible people I've had the displeasure of interacting with in my life, I did learn that. I did learn that. And I took that with me into how I now coach and and teach women to see that the things they find undesirable or unattractive or bad about themselves in any way, whether it's their, the fact that they haven't finished college or the fact that they earn a certain amount of money or they live in a certain place or they look a certain way or they have a certain relationship status anything like that i can use different examples now to show them that is not always perceived that way so you may be sitting here thinking you never want to be described as fat and i would i would empathize and understand why living in today's culture, you wouldn't want to be called that. But there was a point in the past where being skinny, not in the not-too-distant past, this was in like the 60s, being skinny was unattractive. There was a product called Wait On. W-A-T-E dash on. Wait on. And it was literally a supplement that you would take, that, that this company told women to take to help gain 15 pounds so they fill out their clothes more and they won't be called skinny ever again. The, like, the title is like, never let them call you skinny. This is in the 60s. This is like a couple generations This is not way back in the 1600s or whatever. And it's like, yes, way back then as well, it was considered attractive to to have more weight on your body. But what I'm showing you is that over time, the expectations of what should be attractive change. So it's just a roll of the dice of whether or not you are going to fit into the current beauty standard. Beauty standards change. So therefore, I think that there aren't beauty standards because if it was a standard, it would be consistent, but it's not. So it's not a standard that I pay attention to. So these different words, I want you to think about what words you feel are insults. To your appearance, to your relationship status, to your life stage, anything. Like, what words feel like insults? And then what words feel like compliments? And I want you to see, like, do a thought experiment of different situations or scenarios in which that word could be used in the opposite column. Even within different contexts, so let's take the word short. Short. Is that a bad word or is that a good word? I guess most people would say that's a bad word because like men want to be tall, right? That's part of the, the male beauty standard created by patriarchy for like men to be like tall. So short might be an insult, in that category, but what if you use the word short to describe the distance between your house and your favorite restaurant? Oh, it's just a short walk. Well, that's better than a long walk. <laughs> in, in that scenario, short is a good thing. So when you have these hyper emotionally charged words like fat or old, maybe rich, any of these hypercharged words, pretty, skinny, thin, beautiful, whatever, a good way to diffuse them within your own mind is to try to put them in contexts where they no longer carry that weight. They no longer carry that emotional charge because the word is used in a different context. I used to, talking about my ex, let's just keep. Keep on that same example. I used to experience kind of PTSD whenever I would hear his name. Whenever I would see a Chicago area code call my phone. Any of them. Any of the area codes. Not just his, but any of them. Like 312. I would be like, oh, that's Chicago. And I would be triggered. I would be triggered. Because it would remind me of him and because we had these traumatic, I had these traumatic associations with Chicago, with his name, with those numbers, and it was very triggering. So what I had to do was take those words out of those contexts and re-associate them with positive things, with different things and get my brain so used to associating that with something different that it won't automatically go to bad, unsafe, danger, trauma, right? You can do this with places as well. That kind of goes more deeply into like the specifics of the person and what their, what their goals are, what their issues are and how to work through those specific triggers. And that's what I do with women in like private coaching. So I won't get into that here. But shifting back onto the different words and how these words can be used in different contexts to mean different things, to make people feel a different kind of way. I got some comments about how I shouldn't be posting what my size is that I wear or how much I weigh because it might be triggering for people to see that I wear a size two or sometimes I wear a size four, like knowing that size might be triggering for someone or knowing my weight might be triggering for someone. And I understood what what this woman where she was coming from with that but in my response to her I I challenged that and said the size of clothes anyone wears should never be triggering for someone and if it is that's a sign that you need to go deeper into that trigger and heal something. All your triggers are just indicators of where you need healing and normalizing, talking about something that can be very triggering for people is the first step in, in getting to that healing. Because it should be a very normal thing. Talking about our weight should be something that doesn't even register on our emotional radar. I weigh 136 pounds usually. I don't, that doesn't trigger any type of feeling for me. I wear a size 4. I wear a size 27. I usually wear a size small, but pff, with women's sizing, it's a, it's a crapshoot. So sometimes I order a size large because it's like, damn, I really can't fit into this. <laughs> What's going on? But that's because I worked through those different triggers. I used to have triggers like that. I used to either lie about my weight slightly because I do look like I weigh less than I do. Like if I were to say I weigh 125 pounds, you'd probably believe me because I'm thin, but I'm tall. And I do have quite a bit of weight on my my lower half, like my booty, my thighs. Like there's some there's some thickness going on there. It's not like crazy, but it's, it's something. But like you wouldn't know the difference, right? And people don't really know what that weight will look like on different people. And that's the goal of of talking about it, is to show people, hey, this weight that you think you want to have or be or whatever looks like this on my body. Or this weight that you're afraid of being looks like this, and that's actually what I weigh. Or this size that I typically wear, sometimes I'll need to wear different sizes. But some people have these triggering feelings around the words small, medium, large, extra large, extra small. They associate their identity with their size. And I did this for years. So it was an identity crisis when I went up a size. Because I was like, oh my God, if I am not a size four, then who am I? If I'm not a size small anymore, no, that's unacceptable. I'm a size small. I'm a size small. But what I started doing is changing my language to, I wear a size small, but sometimes I wear a size large. I normally wear a size 27, but depending on the brand and the fit, it may be different. I weigh 136 pounds, but that may fluctuate, give or take five pounds Here or there, I don't know. I don't weigh myself very often. But here's the difference. Instead of saying, I am, I am, I am, you create distance with the words, I usually wear, I typically wear, or even I wear is different than I am because you're not identifying as a size. It's very subtle, but this is what helps. And if you start doing this consistently, it will start to slowly build some distance between you and your body. And you'll start to see that you are not your body. So the things that people may say about you or your body aren't going to cut so deep. And they're not going to lift you that high. Because whatever you get high on is what you get low on. So when someone calls you thin and you're on a high of like, oh my God, yay, someone called me skinny, even though 60 years ago that was an insult, someone called me skinny. If someone calls you fat, boom, that's the low and it's going to take you right back down. So the goal is to be more even keel. To so yeah, take those compliments as they come but also not live for compliments. Because when you live for compliments, you die at the insults. That's the real like, truth of it, is that we shouldn't be living for compliments. But in your mind, to have a rebuttal against some of these things that people say or some of these things that even you think, you can remind yourself and tell yourself, hey, well, that's not true for everyone in every situation at all times. This has not always been true. This has not always been a compliment or an insult. And so if this is not a consistent across time and people, if this is not a human universal, I really couldn't care less. And by the way, that phrase is couldn't care less. Beautiful, beautiful. Not could care less. That means you care. Okay? Okay. It's, I could not care less. That means my amount of care is zero. I could not care less. Just a little, little reminder if you use that phrase. It's couldn't, not could. Unless you are trying to say that you care. Then you say, I could care less. Okay, that means you care. <laughs> Good to know. You care about that. But anyway, I couldn't care less about expectations and pressures that are placed on me by a culture and society that keeps changing its mind every 50 years or so. Sometimes every 10 with like the small things. So moral of the story, takeaways from this episode. Fat has not always been an insult. Skinny has not always been a compliment. Different people that you meet throughout your life are going to find different things, attractive, desirable, unattractive, undesirable. So what you need to do to be a confident woman is to sit down with yourself and say, look, who am I? What are my attributes? What things about myself, not just my body, what things about myself do I want to improve? Do I want to be known for? Who am I? Where can I improve? What am I already proud of? And go be that. Go be that healthy version of yourself, of your body. And whatever people want to say about it is frankly none of your business. And with that, this is where I leave you. So I hope you enjoyed. If you haven't shared this episode with a friend, share it with someone who needs to hear this message today. And as for you and me, I'll see you in the next episode.